at that today. David, King Solomon, you've got these comparisons which makes it so easy for us. In the New Testament, you've got your comparisons as well. You've got Mary and Martha. Makes that, should make our lesson a lot easier when the Lord does these comparisons for us, okay? You've got Lazarus and the rich man. And these comparisons are there to make it a lot easier for us. But how is it that we don't learn from these comparisons when the Lord makes it so much easier for us? Also, Deuteronomy 13, you can't get it clear on this. The Lord says, choose ye this day, okay, life or death, blessing or cursing. But he's actually telling you what to choose, isn't he? The next bit. But choose life that your children may live. That's making it very clear, very simple, and very easy for you. So when we look at the life of Abraham and Lot, which we're going to have a look at in a minute, it should start making it very clear and easy for you because the comparisons are so different. Okay, but yet we'll see that many of us don't actually take the Abraham path. A lot of us ended up taking the Lot's path, and we're going to have a look at that today. Okay? So, like I said, the text is Genesis chapter 13. And I'm going to read this, and, uh, and then we're going to go into this, okay? Um, so this is where you can't make a mistake, because you're just reading straight from the word of the Lord, right? So here we go. And Abraham went out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver and gold. And he went, and he went on his journey from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the altar which he had made. There at the first, there at the first, and there Abraham called upon the name of the Lord, and Lot also, which went with Abraham, and his flocks and his herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's cattle and the herdsmen of, herdsmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanites and the Perizzites dwelled in the land. And Abraham said to Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdsmen and thy herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyselves, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, I will go to the right. Or if, I or if thou depart to the right hand, I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld the plains of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. Then Lot chose him all the plains of Jordan, and Lot, and Lot journeyed east. And he separated themselves, the one from the other. Abraham dwelled in the land of Cana, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked, and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And the Lord said unto Abraham, After that Lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward, and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if any, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land, in the length of it and in the breadth of it, and I will give it unto thee. And Abraham removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Memrah, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. Okay, we're just going to pause there just for one moment. And I put this slide up here, right? We're going to talk about technology just for a little while, not too long. And it's all going to fit into context, okay? So this is not going to be like a technology seminar. We're going to look at technology just for a little bit because it's impacting all of our lives. Okay, we're, to a great degree and to a much greater degree, you'll realize as we go through, okay, and you'll see how it's all going to link in together in terms of loving not the world. But we should look at all current events and everything that takes place in the world through the eyes of Scripture, through the lens of Scripture. Daniel chapter 12 says that in the last days, knowledge is going to increase incredibly. I'm talking about drastically, right? It's going to increase in every realm. 
I've been in technology for about 25 years, okay? In technology for about 25 years. I know Steve's been in technology for a long time as well. I know Stanley's into technology. Is there any others here into technology here? Okay. Ian out the back. Anyone else? Okay, so all of us, we're all, all of us into the boring technology stuff, right? So been into this area for a long, long time. And Steve can probably testify this, as many of you can, if you've been into technology for a long time. I have never seen change in technology at such a rapid pace within the last five years. And I'm talking about the speed of change is absolutely incredible. You can't keep up anymore in terms of the amount of change that is actually taking place in technology. The speed is incredible. Before, you could read up on things. You could keep up to date with things. You could you know, pretty much keep abreast in terms of the latest technology. But now, this technology is moving at such a speed and, and at such a pace that it's hard to keep up. Okay? So this is a quick little timeline. Okay, we started off with mainframes, right, Steve? Back in the days, right? Back in the days, mainframes, right? I see a few people smiling, right? Back in the days, you had these big, massive buildings out in a remote location somewhere, sometimes in you know city location, but big buildings housed with these huge, massive mainframes, okay? And that's where the computer was. Nobody knew about it, but there was a few clever little geeky people who, who played around with this stuff. Right, but nobody ever had hardly access to a computer. Then we moved into the mini computer, then we got into the workstation, which is basically, and then we moved into the personal computer. Okay, IBM came out of the personal computer, which was uh, the X, X8, X86, okay, XT. Then it came up with the AT. People remember those terms? No? Steve, you remember those terms? Okay, good, I'm glad. See, me and myself and Steve, we go back a while, right? So we can remember this stuff. You ended up with like ISA technology, then it went to, PS2, you know, MCA technology. But this is all personal computer. Then it came into the laptop, okay? And I remember having one of these old compact 286 laptops, which was like a sewing machine, okay? And it was massive. And I used to lug it around all the time. And you would pull out the front. It was like one of these little old singer sewing machines. And you'd pull out the front, and the keyboard would come out. And you had this little you know, green screen in front of you, and wow, that was fantastic back in the day. Then it became a little bit smaller. That was even fantastic. Now, you've got smartphones, okay? Everyone's got a smartphone here, everyone. I can't, don't think anyone hasn't. Has anyone not got a phone? Mobile phone. Jeff, you know what? When, when I, I tell you what, when I, when I, when I was going to ask this question, right, I was looking around and I'm thinking, is there going to be somebody? And I must admit, you came to my mind, right? Right, okay. Right, all right. So, so, all right, so I, I knew it was going to be Jeff, right? I, I just knew that, right? So Jeff hasn't got a smartphone, but he's got a mobile phone, right? So he's got a mobile phone. And then we're moving into what is called wearable technologies. And you'll see where I'm going with all this, okay? Wearable technologies, you're starting to wear technologies. People might have a smartwatch. That's a wearable technology, okay? You're also going to get a bit closer where you'll be starting wearing clothes with the, which will have wearable technologies inbuilt into them, okay, which will be monitoring you, all sorts of stuff. Eventually, okay, it's going to get into embedded technology. Okay? Embedded technology. And what I mean is that technology that will be embedded inside of you. Now, what I'm actually saying, if you have a look at that, you started off with mainframes, which are way out there in a big warehouse, okay? or in a, in a big like an industrial location. Few people know. Now, it's moving closer and closer and closer to you. You know, you had the personal computer on your desk. It was actually called desktop. It was on your desk. Now you had the laptop move from the desk to your lap. Now you had the smartphone move from your lap into your hand. Now it will go into embedded technology. And you'll see where I'm, and you'll see where I'm going with this when I'll say when we all go through love, not the world. Because the world, and we know the spirit of the world, because we know who the prince of this world actually is, is aggressively getting closer and closer and closer to you, to the point where you will have, not saying you will have, okay, where embedded technology is going to be the norm. Okay? And you'll see soon that we're not actually that far away from it. Okay? There's prototypes that are already being tested currently right at the moment. Okay, um, about this. And you know, I've been, 
I go to a lot of technology conferences, especially in terms of dealing with future technologies and things like that, and I see all these things actually occurring. And I, and, I, and I see them already being developed, and I'm seeing them being tested, and I'm seeing the prototypes already coming out, and I'm seeing how they're going to be mass-produced. So what I'm saying is that if you have a look, everything's getting closer and closer and closer to you. Okay? Next slide. Right. Quantum confusion. I'm not going to spend a huge amount of time on this, okay? Steve probably... Under, and, Adam Wright understands this right way better than I do, right? Because it's all to do with quantum mechanics and quantum physics and real clever, clever stuff. So if you've got some real deep questions afterwards, Adam, can you answer them for me, right? Okay. All right, okay. okay. So traditional computing, traditional computing is all about binary, okay? It's about zeros and ones. And we're only going to talk about this a little while. It's all about zeros and ones, okay? Which means that standard transistors or, or microchips can only deal with a zero and one at any single point in time, okay? And that's it. And that's how all, that's how all information is stored. It's how all data is transferred by what we call zeros and ones, okay? Traditional computing. And that's always been the case. But recently, okay, quantum computing Okay, has now come to the forefront. When I say to come to the forefront, it's always been worked upon and everything else, but it's actually been developed into a commercial product, which means that it can be sold now, and people like Google have already bought it. Okay? People like Lockheed Martin have already bought it. Facebook have bought it. Okay? So all these companies have started to procure already at the cost of 15 million pounds, a box, okay, quantum computing. So what quantum computing does, I said to you, right, you've got a zero and one, traditional computing deals with zeros and ones. That's all it can deal with, a zero or a one. Quantum computing deals with a zero and one at the same time. Okay, deals with it at the same time. So what does that, say, who cares, right? What does that mean? What that means, it means that quantum computing is a hundred million times faster than your standard, standard traditional computer 100 million times faster, okay? Another thing, quickly, in terms of um, information, remember we saw everything's getting closer to you? We saw that all the devices getting closer and closer to you, where you know, it's getting into your lap, and then it, goes and it gets embedded. But if you notice, data is going the other way, right? Traditionally, you had held all your data on your device. Yeah, it was always on the laptop, it was always on the desktop, okay? Now, your data is all going to the cloud, right? See, people know these terms, so it's commonplace. Your data is going the other way, the devices are coming this way. Devices are getting closer to you, your data is going up into the cloud, right? So that which is really personal to you is going in the other direction, which used to be personal, it used to be called a personal computer. Remember, that's the other name that they gave it. It's no longer personal anymore. So your data is going in the other direction. So what I'm saying is that now you've got this quantum computer coming out, right? It's going to be able to process information at such an astronomical rate, okay? And here's, here's an, as, as an example, all the information, right, about you and individuals is going to be processed just like that. And we'll, go, we'll talk about that just slightly. And you can see why I'm going to go into Love Not the World. That computer, by the way, in order for it to function correctly, has to be cooled down to 0.02 Kelvin. So what does that mean, right? It means particles stop moving at 0 Kelvin. That has to be cooled at 0.02 Kelvin. Put it into Celsius, that's minus 273.15 degrees Celsius, minus. That's what that's called at in order for it to be able to function, okay? Now, that said, I'm going to read something to you that, once I get there, from Ray Kurzweil, right? So those of you who are into uh, technology, should be familiar with somebody called Grace Kurzweil. Anyone heard of Grace Kurzweil? Uh, Adam Wright, 
just like with Jeff, right, I knew that he was going to have, um, you know, a mobile phone, not a smartphone. I knew when I say Ray Kurzweil, right, that you would know who he is. Let me just read an article um, that was in the newspaper um, about Ray Kurzweil, about computers and embedded, embedded into our brains. And so it says that computers embedded into our brains will make us smarter, funnier, sexier, claims Google futurist Ray Kurzweil. Okay? Um, by 2013, humans will be, willingly, will be willingly connecting their brains to the cloud in order to expand their minds, claims Ray Kurzweil. And the reason why I bring Ray Kurzweil up is Ray Kurzweil holds, holds a lot of authority within the technology arena, okay? Um, it says here, Ray Kurzweil, director of engineering at Google, has made a name for himself through his predictions. Since the 1990s, he has made... 147 predictions of the future, 86% which have actually come true. So he holds a lot of authority in predicting technology for the future. Okay? Um, that leads to... So, so he holds a lot of authority in that particular area. Okay? Um, let me just finish this article off. He said that by 2029, computers will have human-level intelligence, okay? And that leads to computers having it, human intelligence, our putting them inside our brains, connecting them to the cloud. Remember we said data's going the other way? Devices are coming closer to you, devices coming inside you, and your data going into the cloud, connecting them to the cloud, expanding who we are. Today, that's not just a future scenario, it's here. In part, it's going to accelerate. Kurzweil said that machines are already powering all of us in the sense that they are making us smarter. Now, so here's a cell of the world, right? In order for it to come into you, in order for you to accept it. Okay, there's got to be a great sales pitch in order for you to be able to want to go, in that, go into that direction. So, who wouldn't want to be smarter, right? Who wouldn't want to have amazing intelligence, right? Who wouldn't want to be like that? Who wouldn't want to be like Ben Shapiro? Just rattle off facts just like that, right? And keep going on and on. He, just, he speaks at the speed of light, just facts, facts. Who wouldn't want to have intelligence like that? Well, it's going to be sold to you. It will be, okay? Who wouldn't want to be funnier, right? You know, who wouldn't want to be funnier? You know, you're communicating with people and suddenly, you know, you've got this data and these jokes all in bed, you know streamed to you, um, and it will make you funnier. Who wouldn't want that? Right? Who wouldn't want to be sexier? And the reason why I say that, because this is what the world is, right? The world is, you know, I love you. I, the world is, I will love you if you are smart. I love you if you are really funny. I love you if you are really beautiful or really sexy. I love you if, 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 if you... If you've got all these things, the world's going to love you. But Christ is completely the opposite, right? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, completely unconditional. Okay, but who is not going to buy up to these things when it says it will make you smarter, it will make you more funnier, it will make you more sexy? Because this is going to be a sell. But if you have a look at the majority of the vid you know, things on YouTube are how to make yourself more attractive how to make yourself more confident, how to make yourself more appealing, um, how to be able to communicate better. M loads of, and how many young people spend their time trying to get themselves to look more beautiful, become more attractive, become more confident, try to become smarter? Why? Because that's the cell. We're already being set up for this already completely. Okay, transhumanism, I'm going to quickly go through this as well. Because we need to know what's coming along, right? We need to know what's coming along, and we need to know what's happening. And the thing is, like, I've been in technology for a long time, and I'm into... What I'm talking about, I see a lot of this stuff already. I see a lot of this stuff already, okay? Um, some of you have probably been to conferences where you've seen some of this stuff, but I've seen people who have actually developed some of this stuff. I've worked in some large technology corporates, okay? And so I'm just not giving you hype at the moment, 
I'm not giving you hype. This is actually what's occurring and what's actually taking place. Okay? Our bodies will be augmented. It's like I said, you know, augmented, we become smarter, stronger. Who wouldn't want to be stronger? Who wouldn't want to be smarter? Okay? Um, our thoughts process will be faster and more transferable. Do you remember I talked about wearable technologies? Everything coming and you're going to become wearable. What they want to do, what they're developing is a brain-machine interface that they're going to put into your neocortex at the back, okay? Which will then allow you to be able to... Because there's a phrase that came out into technology quite some time ago called the speed of thought, okay? Speed of thought is, man, is as soon as you think it, obviously, because that's the fastest... That's the fastest transmission that you can have. See, if you're typing on a keyboard, typing on the keyboard and the clicking on the mouse is actually too slow to communicate nowadays. It's too slow. What they even say is that talking is too slow. Okay? So for me to talk to you, well, that's just a bit slow, right? right? There's a bit of latency, there's a bit of lag, and there's a bit of a delay. And if I'm not a very good speaker and I'm a bit slow, then that latency and that lag is even longer, right? So it will take even further. So the speed of thought is what, is it, what, what that means is that what I'm thinking right now, you'll know straight away. That's where they want to get to. And this is where you know, Mark Zuckerberg is, actually wants to go, to have this embedded. So, you know, for example, improve your experience where you, if you're at a holiday, you don't need to type up, upload pictures and everything. It'll just transfer straight away. Okay? Next is we will become more empathetic, right? This, one's, this one is actually um, quite interesting, and this is all to do around virtual reality and things like that. And if you notice, virtual reality is actually becoming quite big. Um, it's actually becoming really big. Okay? You see kids wearing virtual reality stuff, and it's actually being sold, but that's, not, that's just very small in comparison to where it's actually going. What they want to do is to make you more empathetic towards their agenda. As an example, you know, you can go through virtual reality and they'll take you through the plight of a refugee in order to make you more empathetic towards that agenda. Okay, for example, now, if you go to, if you want to go and buy, if you go to buy a Bentley, okay, as an example, right, not that I have, right, if you have, right, you, what they do is they sit you in a chair, they sit you in a chair and they put a steering wheel in front of you and right around you everywhere, you're sitting actually in the Bentley, right? Then you say, you know what, I, I don't like the color seats. Can you change them to red? Change them to red. I don't like this dash. Can you just put this dash? Oh, can you put some you know, chrome slides on the side? And it will change it for you straight there and then. So you're driving in the car that you actually want. You're, it's created it for you. Where this is also going is that you know, eventually you know, you'll, put, you'll, 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 you'll have this and you'll, you know, it'll say, where do I want to be in 40 years? It will show you where you can be in 40 years' time. They'll put together a whole entire plan for you, how to get there, what you need to do, da da da. Okay, so this is all being injured. And by the way, um, you know, universal translators are already out. Okay, so do you remember Star Trek universal translators? You know, one language they speak, you, it automatically translates it for you. You know, I was at the company I used to work for, they created universal translators already. Okay, and they were tried and tested, and they're in operation now, which means that somebody speaks to me in French, it will translate it for me in real time, okay, and I'll know exactly what they're saying. I'll speak in English, it will communicate to them in their language. That's out right now. And it's actually very, very good. The one by Google is okay, but this one is incredible. The one, it's, it's real time. And this is what I'm trying to say, is that this is where you're going. This is where technology is all going, okay? Now, why do I bring all this up? It's because we need to know what is actually happening and how the world is trying to make you love the world. It's got to sell everybody something in order for you to be able to accept it. See, we just read, when Lot, see, when Lot and, Ab Lot and Abraham went into Egypt when there was a famine, okay? But they came out with something when they went into Egypt. And we all know that Egypt is a type of the, it's the type of the world, right? So they went into Egypt, they came out with something. Both of them came out with something, okay? Abraham, you know, his wife Sarah, came out with a maidservant, Hagar. And as a result of coming out with Hagar, who was an Egyptian, right? 
type of the world, that never left. The ramifications of coming out from that with Egypt remained with them. But see, Lot also came out with something. He came out with a love for the world. Why? Because he wanted to go back into the world. And you're going to see this. So what did he do? So if you look at Lot's spiral downwards, right? What did he do first of all? He lifted up his eyes and he beheld the great plains, watered plains, okay? What, and the reason why I'm bringing all this technology in front of you, because it's going to make you lift up your eyes, and it's going to make you want to look at these things. Why? Because it wants you to love the world, right? And these things are going to get closer and closer. That's what I'm saying. It's going to want to say, okay, you can be smarter. If you were that kid in school who weren't exceptionally bright like Adam, right? and you had a bit of difficulty in studying, you can be smarter now. You can be an equal par, if not better, than actual Adam. You know, you can have all this information imparted into you, have it delivered to you. Who would not want that? You, want to, you lift your eyes and you see that, that's what's going to draw you in. Smarter, funnier, sexier. That's, what it, that's lifting up your eyes and looking at what the world is actually producing and bringing to you now. So what's the next thing that Lot did? He chose the plains of Jordan. See, you're going to see it around you, right? You will see it around you, but you've got to choose, okay, whether you're going to accept that or not. And like I said, I've never seen technology move so fast, okay, since I've been in. Steve probably testified to the fact that things are just moving at such a rapid space. And just very quickly, as we spoke about Ray Kurzweil, okay, what he said, you know, it's only 87% of his predictions have come past, you know, the others, some of them are a bit nonsense, actually. He said that by 2050, and then he changed it, he said, but technology is moving so quick now, it'll be by 2045 that human beings will be made immortal. This is what he said, right? right? Yes, I don't know if he's read the Bible or not, but, you know, it is, for, it is appointed for a man who wants to die, and then after death, the judgment, right? So he better read that and uh, realize that that's a false prediction right there straight away. But that's what he's saying. And the way, way he's saying that is that he said that what you'll do is we'll take, we can take the consciousness of man, which he calls the soul, embed it into technology, put it up into the cloud, and then put it into another biological body. That's what he's saying. And, that's, and there was a film out recently, I can't remember the name of it, which described exactly that. Like there was a film a little while ago where they took the consciousness and embedded it into a robot, artificial intelligence and everything else. Okay? So, so, and I'm saying because this is all really, really happening. We hear it on the news, you hear it all over the place, but this is actually taking place. Because I see a lot of this taking place. So, next thing, he, he separated himself from Abraham. Okay? That's why I'm saying, in this day and age, Surround yourself with people of faith. Right? Don't neglect the fellowship of the brethren. Why? Because they're there to edify and to build you up. You can't survive on your own. As great as you think you are, right? You cannot survive on your own. We're called okay, to edify and to build each other up. We're called not to neglect fellowshipping with one another, especially as the times actually start getting darker. And you know what? They're really, really getting dark. Now, the thing is, right, if you really believe that they're getting dark, okay, and I'm going to mention something that Gerard said to me when we had a conversation back there, right, quite some time ago, we were just fellowshipping in the back. That's an amazing, that's why, if you fellowship at the back and you're talking about the Lord and things, you're edifying and building somebody up. Like, Gerard edified me when we had a conversation at the back, and I'll remind you, right, Gerard, Gerard was said to us, he said that if we really believed what the word said, our lives would be completely different compared to what they are now. Do you remember that? I definitely remembered it. And you know what? That hasn't left me since the day you said that. And that is true. If we really believe God's word and we really believe, if we're in the last days and times are getting dark, our lives should change. And I'm just going to re-emphasize something that John said at the prayer meeting two weeks ago when he spoke about Noah. He said, as soon as Noah received the instruction from the Lord to build the ark, because there was a judgment coming, his life changed. And all his activities, 
his agenda like it changed from that day when God gave him the instruction. Why? Because he believed God. He really, really believed God. So everything started to change. So that's what I'm saying. Like Gerard said, if we really believed, because you could, you could go with the hype, right? Loads of people can go with the hype, and you're just following the hype, but there's a difference in going with the hype than really, really believing God. See, when you really believe the word, that's going to change you. It's going to change your activity. It will change your agenda. It will change your uh, priorities. It will get you refocused. Okay? So Abraham separated. So Lot separated himself from Abraham. Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain. Okay? He gets closer and closer to Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay? He chose to be in the cities, whereas Abraham chose to be in Canaan, dwell around there in tents. See, Abraham chose temporary dwellings. It tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, okay, that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob dwelt in tents. They had no permanent dwelling or location. What that means is that in this world, everything's going to decay and fade in this world. But if, and I'm saying that, if, if you really believe that, you wouldn't put any of your trust in what this world has to offer or what it is going to present to you. You just wouldn't do that. Okay, your whole agenda and everything should change. John spoke a little quite some time ago about focusing on the things that are above and not on the things that are below. Now, so I'm going to say I've got something that will offend everybody, right? So it's okay, right? So I'm in this category myself. See, see as good as Jerome looks, right? As, as good as Jer Jerome is an athlete specimen, right? Tall, you know, and, 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 and I can see why Felicia chose them, right? Well. To one degree, that's, right. Jerome looks great, right? But as great as Jerome looks, the law of entropy will take place, right? Jerome, you're not going to always look that good, right? Not let, well, if you embed some technology in you and, you know, whatever, right? Then you may, but... We're all subject to decay. We're all going to decay, right? So you young girls, as smooth as your skin is, right? It's not going to always be that smooth, right? You know, I told you I'll offend everyone, right? It's not going to be as smooth, right? Now, you older folks, right? I told you I'm going to offend everybody. So you older folks, right? You're never going to be as strong as you were when you were... Jerome, sage, right? You're just not going to be. You're going to get weaker and weaker. Why? That's the law of entropy. Bioentropy actually taking place in your body. You're going to get weaker and weaker. You know, it's, since Adam fell, the law of entropy took place, everything is actually decaying before. So there is no hope and trust actually in this world. Okay? Everything's decaying. And uh, I don't know why they spend, people spend so much money on it because. It's all going to decay and fade away anyway, isn't it? I'm talking about makeup, by the way. That's what I'm referring to, you know. So, you know. So, like I said, Lot pitched his tent right towards Sodom. He faced in that direction, and he was going to completely go and spend his time there. Um, the, I'm going to go through, and then he dwelt in Sodom. Okay, it's a bit like, you know, he got closer and closer, and eventually we see in chapter 19, I think, that he's, 19, chapter 1, we see that he's at the city gates, okay, as part of the council. So he started on the outside, he got closer and closer in. Eventually, he ended up being in, sitting at the gates as part of the council of the city itself as well. It's a bit like Psalms chapter 1, you know, blessed is the man who walketh not in the council of the ungodly, right? So, you've got to, so he's walking, walketh not in the council of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, right? And the last bit, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. If you notice, right, that verse, if you notice that, it's, there's, there's movement, right? So you're walking first, then you're standing, tells you not to do that, then you stand, then eventually you'll end up sitting and you'll end up getting comfortable where you are. And it's like Psalms 1 is completely appropriate to Lot. He was on the outside, got closer and closer. Eventually, he was just sitting at the gates. And, you know, 1 Peter chapter 2 tells us that even though Lot was sitting and he was in Sodom and Gomorrah, he, the Bible tells us that he was righteous, right? 
It tells us that he was righteous, but it also says that his soul was vexed, right? He was continually vexed because of all the sin that was surrounding him. Another thing that I'll quickly bring up that I could, uh, I found this bizarre, right? When the four or five kings came and they took Lot, Abraham went in and rescued him, right? So Abraham went in with the sword first and actually rescued him. Lot went back, right, to Sodom and Gomorrah. So God gave him an amazing opportunity to come out, to be rescued by Abraham, but he decides to go back in. Why? Because that, the love of that world was right there. That's why I'm saying that, that don't ever underestimate the love of the don't ever underestimate the power of the world to draw and to attract you you know in the pilgrim's progress christian when he ended up in vanity fair he said that was so difficult for him to come out of why because in vanity fair it just gave him everything that he wanted you know in a sense make you smarter make you funnier make you sexier give you what you want so if you got all that and that's what you're, and you know, let's pick up on what Jerome was saying earlier on. You know, there's a battle between the, the, the spirit and the flesh, right? That's taking place. And the world is drawing you in that direction every single day. Okay. So finally, right, this is the outcome of Lot. Finally, we see him seated at the gate, and his daughters are wedded to Med, men of Sodom and Eventually, we see that he ended up obviously losing his, his wife. She turned into a pillar of salt. In a sense, she looked back to the world. She couldn't let go. She couldn't let go. There was something back there that she was really, really attracted to. Even though God put together an amazing rescue for her, okay, for their whole family, yet the son-in-laws were next. In fact, the testimony of Lot became so weak Right, that when he even told them that judgment was coming, they thought he was mocking. Okay? You, see, if you go to the world and you live in the world, as a Christian, and then you're trying to tell somebody about the Lord, especially about that the Lord's coming, right? Okay, because that's also a, a type of the rapture, that God actually takes out Lot, okay, before he executes his wrath and his judgment. Okay, you try to tell somebody that and you're living in the world they're going to have a similar response to you like, you know, um, Lot's son-in-laws. Okay. Right, what was Lot's failures, right? His choice of residency, right? That was his failure. He chose to live and to be in Sodom and Gomorrah. What did he do? He chose, he chose the, the, water, the water plains above. Okay? He regarded temporal advantage. Okay? He wanted to be satisfied right now and then. Okay? Temporarily. Okay? Um, Lot yielded to the world of worldliness, which is what we said. Okay? He gave in to the spirit of the world. Okay? Now, Lot seems to be a type of Christians who aim to try to have the best of both worlds. Right? We're not called to have the best of both worlds, right? Regardless of what Joel Olstein tries to put in his little sales pitch, right, about, you know, have your best life. Now, sorry, the world doesn't sell you. The Bible doesn't reveal that. It doesn't proclaim that. You can have the best of both worlds. You either love the world or you hate the world, right? That's just the way it is. And, and, and if you love the world or you're drawn to the world, the love of the Father is not in you. And remember, that passage that we read, you know, from 1 John chapter 2 is eschatological because the next verse after that is talking about the Antichrist. So it's eschatological, right? It's talking about the last days as well, the way it's going to be. Okay, so you can't have the best of both worlds. You've got to choose, you know, where you're, going to, where you're going to be. And Lot had a miserable end, right? Where did he end up in the end? He ended up in a cave, right? That's, that was the net result of all his participation and all his activity, okay, that was in Sodom and Gomorrah. That's where he ended up. He ended up in a cave, lost his family, and ended up with nothing. So all that the world should have given him, right? All that the world should have given him was fame, riches, all that kind of stuff, okay? He lost every bit of it, okay? 
and, and to the demise of his, to the demise of himself, then he had to face up to the fact of his awful sin, and he had to live with that. Okay? So, I'm going to bring this to a close soon. So just to compare Abraham, and like I said, I didn't want to focus on Abraham, because I wanted us to look at Lot, because God puts these people, these comparisons side by side. You can learn just as much from Lot as you can from Abraham as well. God is teaching us something here about Lot, and believe you me, there's loads of lots in the church. I'm not saying in here, right? But I'm just saying in general, right? There's loads of lots in the church who want the best of both worlds. You think you can have the best of both worlds, but you cannot. Because if you do want the best of both worlds, you know, we read in Scripture that the love of the Father is not in you. Okay? So what did he do? Abraham walked by faith. Abraham is the father of all those who believe, right? He walked by faith. So he's an example to us, okay? Hebrews chapter 11, you know, his faith is mentioned three times, okay, compared to some of the others, okay? Lot walked by sight. He, walked, he lifted up his eyes and he saw, and he just walked by sight, okay? Abraham was really generous, okay? He, he gave Lot the first choice. It's funny, right? When, when, he, when they came out of Egypt, they came out with great riches, Great riches, okay, it's the first time that riches is actually mentioned in the Bible. They came out with great riches and great wealth when they came out of Egypt. Egypt gave them something, right, gave Lot something as well. But that was also which brought contention between them as well. It's, believe you me, right, contention or tension can easily be brought into your family through wealth and riches. You know, some of it, I've seen it all over the place as well. You know, when somebody passes away and there's issues over the inheritance, you know, these people have had so much harmony and unity within their family. As soon as there's inheritance at stake, you, you see the fury and the wrath that suddenly springs up because of a bit of money. It's interesting also that when the same pattern arrives again, when Egypt, sorry, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, they came out with great wealth. That wealth that they came out with, okay, they used to create the golden calf as well. Okay? You know, Lot, he made his home. He, he was greedy and worldly. He took what was best when the choice was given to him, right? He had no consideration for Abraham. Just like that, he said, you know what? That's the better place. He lifted up his eyes and he said, you know what? That's where I'm going to go. See? It's in Hebrew culture. It's in my culture as well. If my brother, if we're sitting at a table or anything, right, and we're having something to eat, because he's my older brother, I would say to him, no, you choose first, right? That's the way I've been brought up. That's just our culture. It's just the way it is. You choose first, whatever it is. He might say, no, 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 Joseph, you know, you have something. But I will say, no, you choose. Why? Because that's the way we're brought up. That's the culture. Not Lot. Lot just completely took advantage of the situation and, and decided to go, why? Because the world was already within him when he came out of Egypt. That was already there. City, so Abraham was looking for a city and whose builder was God Almighty himself. Like I said earlier on, he dwelt in tents. See, with tents, you don't lay a foundation, right? You just move, you just plug it straight, put your pegs in. When it's time to move, it's time to move. Same thing with the Lord. You know, we're here called to live tent lives, okay? temporary dwellings. Yeah, we, when God tells us to move, we move. We're not, this is not a permanent location for us. You know, there's a better place for us. A much better place. His builder and maker is God Almighty himself. What did, what did um, Lot do? He lived in a city that was made by men that God destroyed. Completely the difference. See, everything is going to be destroyed. Everything is temporary here. Every single thing. Okay, Abraham took his own resources and rescued Lot. And you don't read anywhere in any of the account anywhere where Lot actually thanked Abraham for rescuing him. See, this is interesting that, first of all, um, Abraham rescued Lot by the sword. Okay, went to rescue him. The second time, he rescued him by prayer and intercession. How do, you, how, do we, how do we, in a sense, rescue people, or people get rescued? By the word, the sword, Okay, and by prayer, 
and by intercession. It was because of Abraham's intercession that the Lord decided to, to rescue Lot. Because he said, you know, even, even if he said, look, if, if Abraham went down, even if there was one righteous, but he didn't, he stopped at five. See, it was the sword the first time, second time, it was through prayer intercession. And there's going to be a prayer taking place at two o'clock, right? Which is so important. Why? Because the prayer of the righteous availeth much. Why? Because we believe in a saviour who loves the whole of humanity and is willing to save them. Why? Sent his only begotten son to die for all of them. Prayer is so important. Okay? Let me quickly go through this. Okay. He left the choice up to the Lord. Okay, Abraham. See, we're in this world, you know, you can either decide who's going to make your choice for you. Either you make it or the Lord makes it. Okay? And if you notice, right, the choice for us is already made, isn't it, right? Because it's in here. What you need to do and how you need to live your life, it's all in here, isn't it, really? This is the word of the Lord. It gives you the instruction. It gives you the guidance. It gives you the counsel to how to live your life. The choice is made here. Okay, the Lord may speak to you about certain specific situations, but this is how we're called to live our lives, according to the word. Okay? Whereas, obviously, Lot made his own choice and he went in his own direction. Abraham made heir of the world. Like we mentioned, Lot was just dwelling in a cave at the end, okay? Now, I'm going to close this. Now, we are all in Christ. John chapter 17, okay, is obviously the prayer of the Lord, which is the high priestly prayer, okay, the prayer of our intercessor. The word, the word <coughs> world is mentioned 14 times in that prayer just alone, okay? So, where are we? The world is standing in Adam, we're actually in Christ, complete difference. The world is of Adam. They're created of that sinful nature. We've been born again. The Spirit of God now comes and lives and dwells inside of us. We are of Christ, okay? We're in the Beloved. We possess, like I said, a different nature, okay? The world has got the old nature of Adam, okay? It sins, it has no choice, okay? It has no choice. It, the Bible says it's a slave to sin, Okay, that's what it does. But we are born of the Spirit of God. Like I said, the Spirit of God now dwells in us. We serve a different master. Amen? Right? So our master is, who's the prince of this world? He's their master. Right? He's their master. Ours is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Okay, we have a different aim. The world aims to please self. It's like I said to you, you know, if you go back to the Tower of Babel, right? They had one language. And the Lord obviously came and he dispersed them and, you know, with, because he created multiple languages and caused complete confusion amongst all of them. Now, the world is getting back to that. If you think about a universal translator, it doesn't matter what language you speak. Why? Because there'll be no confusion, right? So, Guy's fantastic in French, right? Guy will be talking in French. If I had a universal translator, he'll be speaking to me. I'll know exactly what he's saying real time, we're not talking about no delay, real time, then I'll be able to talk back to him. If he has a universal translator, he'll know exactly what I'm saying as well. If I spoke to him in Punjabi, as an example, right? Real time. That's getting back to one communication, uh, one language, okay? That's what the world is just there to please self. But we're here to glorify the Lord, amen? And that's why we're here for. We're here temporarily. Our permanent dwelling place is not here. It's not here. So don't put no trust in anything that this world has to offer. And like I said, the world is getting really aggressive in coming towards, really aggressive in coming towards you. And it's coming towards you in speed. Okay? And if you're not, if you're not at a position where you're strong enough, built in the word, to resist the world. You're going to be overtaken. So get into the word. Start loving the word. So you'll have the strength to be able to resist the temptations of the world, which we said are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's all what I said at the beginning. Smarter, funnier, sexier. As an example, it satisfies all those areas. Okay, so I'm going to bring it to a close and... 
just to remember that we're not off this world. Okay, our city, we're looking for a city whose maker and builder is God Almighty himself. Nothing that man will ever make will be able to last permanently, nothing. Only what the Lord builds will remain. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Uh, Lord, you know, you're wonderful because you really give us very clear, specific instructions from your word. And those instructions are for our good. They're for our benefit. Therefore, they're for our maturity. Lord, when you told us not to love the things of this world, that we should have no desire for the things of this world because they're all temporary and they all will pass away. We ask you for the strength to be able to resist that which, what the, that which the world has to offer. But Father, we ask that you will help us to love you and not love the things of the world. Give us the strength to be able to resist and give us the strength to be able to put our trust in you. Help us to be like Abraham, Father, to walk by faith, not like Lot, to walk by sight, a clear example that you've given us. Lord, let it be so that we edify and we build each other up to walk by faith and to help each other to resist that which the world is trying to bring towards us at such a fast, accelerated rate. To you, Lord, be all the glory, all the honour, and all the praise forever and ever and ever. Why? Because you are eternal. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who took us out of this world and placed us in himself, who is eternal. To you be glory, honour and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.